Well, welcome everybody to downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, thank you for joining us. My name is John. If I didn't meet you on the way in, I'm sorry about that, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, today we are re, um, we are sorry ending up this brand new series that we kind of did here called Breaking Free. And what we've been talking about over the last four weeks is this idea that Jesus sort of stepped onto the scene. And he looked at us and he goes, we have a conversation. You, you got a problem in your life and your problem is your heart. You, got, you have some heart issues. In fact, there's some gunk, uh, my term, not his, that has sort of gotten lodged in your heart. And, and it is your heart that is at the root of most of your problems. And so what we've been doing over the last four weeks, wrapping up today, is we've been taking a look at what I'm calling four common heart problems, these issues that, if we're being honest, we all deal with, whether we want to admit to that or not. And we're trying to find out how we can begin to look at the words of Jesus and the rest of Scripture to find out how we can break free from these heart problems, because they are preventing us from being the person that God wants us to be, and for that matter, preventing us from being the person that we want to be. So as we wrap up today, as we kind of bring this series to a close, rather than telling you what the heart problem for the day is. I want to do a little interactive time with you guys. I can't see you, but I know you're out there. Um, I want you to try to guess what the final heart problem is. Now, to do this, now don't put it up. To do this, I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen in just a moment. Now, this picture is going to be from a movie. It's going to be a movie character. And, and if you know who this character is, and, and by the way, if you're under the age of 35, chances are you're probably not going to know who this, I mean, that's just fine. It is what it is. But if you know who this character is, I'm not, not the actor. I don't know the actor's name. I need the character's name. Just yell it out. You don't need to raise your hand. Just, just yell it out. So who is this person? There we go. Gordon Gecko from the great 1980s movie, Wall Street. Now, if you've seen this movie, and if you know who this person is, knowing what you know about him, knowing what the movie Wall Street represents, particularly in the crazy 80s, what heart problem do you think we need to learn how to break free from today? Wow, you guys are smart. That's why you come to this church. You're very intelligent people. I'm just so glad you've all made your way into this room. So, Greed. In one of the greatest scenes of this movie, and if you've seen this, you're going to know where I'm going with this, but in one of the greatest scenes from this movie, um, Gordon Gecko shows up at a stockholder meeting for Teldar Paper. He turns out he's one of the majority stockholders, and he, he steps up into the middle of this meeting, and all the vice presidents are lined up, and they're calling him out of order, but he grabs that microphone, and he looks out in the crowd, and he goes, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed for lack of a better term, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed, in all its forms, greed for life, greed for money, greed for love, greed for knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar Paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation known as the USA.
A. I mean, it was quite a speech, and it was a great scene. I mean, you look at Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko is a greedy person. We got no problem looking at Gordon Gecko with his slick back hair and his suspenders and going, that, that's, that is a greedy man right there. He makes no bones about it. Yet I've never met a person, maybe you haven't either. I mean, I've never met a person that would look at themselves and say, well, I'm greedy. We don't say that because we don't think like Gordon Gecko. We don't sort of act like him. We don't act like Ebenezer Scrooge to go back 200 years. But what we're going to find out today is that when it comes to greed, there's actually many different types of greed. And when greed lodges itself in your heart, it's a problem. And that greed that it can exist here, even the teensy little bit, can begin to impact everything you do and impact your effectiveness as a follower of Jesus Christ. So to kind of prime our pumps for this conversation, I want to ask you a question. And it's a question that you may have never asked yourself before or never really thought about before. Some of you may. Most of us probably not. But here's the question. Why do you have so much? I never, you ever think about that? You ever ask, like, why, why, why do I have so much? Now, I realize you probably don't have as much as you want, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm not talking about potential possessions. I'm not talking about potential income. I'm talking about your actual income and your actual possessions. Why do you have so much? Why do you have extra? Has there ever been a time in your life when you just sort of stopped to wonder why God has provided you with more than you need? Probably not. And the reason you probably never asked this or thought about this or wondered this is because of the culture that we live in. It has programmed us to only focus on wanting more, getting more, and not being happy with the things that we actually do have. But what's so fascinating, we're kind of having this conversation about asking this question, is that there may have been a time in your life when you didn't have what you needed. And you did ask God why. Maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't have a job at the moment. Maybe the bills were starting to pile up. Maybe the bank was calling. And chances are you got down on your knees with, with tears streaming down your cheek and you asked God, why don't I have what I need? And chances are you've said something like, I've been faithful, God. I'm a good person, God. I, 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 I do all the things you tell me to do. I do this and I, and I do that. Why don't I have what I need? And chances are you prayed for God's help. And chances are he helped. That big break happened. That job came through, and you thanked God for helping you. You see, it makes sense to ask God, why don't I have what I need? But once he gives us what we need, and more for that matter, why is it that we just never circle back to him and then say, well, God, why do I have more than I need? This question has the potential 
to change the direction and the quality of your life? This is the question that God can use to begin to free you and break you free from greed. If we can learn how to filter all of our financial decisions and outlooks through this question, it will prevent us from falling victim to that heart problem known as greed. God, why do I have more than I need? Now, thankfully, Jesus answers this question. So one day, Scripture tells us that he's out um, doing a teaching, and it says that there are thousands of people there, literally thousands and thousands, so much so it talks about how people are getting trampled because they can't wait to be in Jesus' presence. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to hear what he has to teach. They want to see if he's going to do a miracle. And so he has this crowd right there, right where he wants them. They're listening to him, hanging off every single word when he tells them something amazing. He looks at them and he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Just like Gordon Gecko said, there's many kinds of greed. There's more than one kind of greed. There's the Scrooge kind, right? Ebenezer Scrooge kind who, who sort of sits on his fortune like a miser and has no compassion for anybody else. I mean, he's got it all. He barely spends it on himself for that matter. He's watching Bob Cratchit basically eat dirt pies. So you've got Scrooge, but that's not us, right? We're not, I mean, we're not Scrooge because we have compassion. Our heart goes out to people. I mean, when a natural disaster hits, our, our heart goes out to them. When there's a tsunami over there, we, 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 our heart goes out to them. When Hurricane Katrina hit, our heart goes out to them. When there's, you know, all these, our heart goes out to them. When we see commercials about starving people, our heart goes out to them. When we see commercials about dogs being mistreated and the Sarah McLachlan song, you know, comes on, you turn the channel if you're like me because you can't watch that stuff because your heart goes out to them. And because we have compassion for people, because our heart goes out to these needs that we see all around us, we think, well, I don't, I don't have a greed problem. But Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard for all kinds of greed. And then he kind of clarifies and gives us an example uh, of a type of greed that we really need to zone in on today and focus on and meditate on and marinate in. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That life is not measured by how much you own. That there is a type of greed that thinks that the storing up and the acquisition of more is what life is all about. That life equals more and new and bigger and better. And life is all about doing whatever you can to get the latest and the greatest. I need a new purse. I need a new car. I need a new this. I need a new that. It's bigger. It's better. It's the newest model. I need that. And if I don't have that, it's almost like I'm going to die. He would say life is not measured. Life is not equal to getting more and new and bigger and better. Life is all about, we would say, adding to, to what I have for my sake. He goes, no, no, no. That's not what it is at all. And all of a sudden, someone kind of walks into our life and goes, hey, would you mind donating, I don't know, $200 to this fundraiser that we've got going on? And, and we look into our checking account and we go, well, I don't have $200, but I got 20 So there you go. I mean, mind you, I did spend two and a half hours, you know, at the car dealership doing all kinds of financial gymnastics to, to upgrade my two-year-old car for the new car. I mean, 
they look identical. There's really no difference other than the fact in the front screen's a half inch bigger, but I got to have the latest and greatest and newest. I mean, mind you, I did spend weeks and weeks and months and weeks being extraordinarily, you know, creative, trying to finance this new home. But, but when it comes to being generous, I don't have the cash for that. Meanwhile, God is looking down and going, not having the cash never stopped you before. You know what I would call that? You don't want to know. This is why Jesus looks at us and says, you got to be on your guard. you got to watch out because greed is a hard spot. Isn't it amazing? Think about this for a second. Isn't it amazing how different our attitude is towards spending versus our attitude towards giving? Because we'll spend money we don't have on things we don't need. But when it comes time to giving to someone in need, well, I don't have the cash for that. What is that? Jesus would say, that, that's greed. I mean, why is it that, that I won't give $100 to some person who needs it, but I got $10,000 on my credit card. Now I'll say, well, I feel compassion for them. When my heart goes out to them, I want to help, but I just can't because I don't have the money. You know what that means? That means that good intentions and greed, they can coexist in your heart. It, it's, I want to help, but I can't help because I don't have the cash to help because I spent all my cash on myself. That's why Jesus says, you got to watch out. You got to be on your guard. We got to be so careful because greed is not evidenced by how we feel, rather, by what you do. Jesus then launches into a parable to kind of explain more about how God views greed in our lives and what we can begin to kind of keep an eye out for. And a parable, if you don't know, is a fictional story that Jesus would create to tell a real truth. So he says this. He told him this parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man, pause right here. So we are going to be talking about a rich man today. That's the main character in, in Jesus' story. And a rich person, by definition, is someone who has a lot. I think we can all agree with that. A rich person is someone who has a lot. And I think it could be said, it could be argued that a rich person has more than they need. And we got to be careful. We make sure we don't dip into last week because just because a rich person has more than they need doesn't mean they shouldn't have it. Scripture is very clear. Having a lot of money is not a problem. Having a lot of stuff is not a problem. Having a lot of nice stuff is not an issue. None of these things are sin. What can be a problem is what you do with what you have. So Jesus tells a story, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, which means the guy who had a lot now has even more. In fact, he's got so much, he, now he's got a problem. I mean, it, I mean, it's a good problem, but he's got a problem. So he thinks to himself, all right, what am I going to do? What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I got all this extra. I got all this extra. And I have no place to store all my extra for me. To which I think almost instinctually we think, well, 
I don't know, maybe you should think about looking around to see who else might be able to benefit from your extra. But he doesn't think like that. Because when, when you're greedy, you live under the assumption that it's all for your consumption. That anything that comes to you is for you, and so you're going to use it on you. And what this man assumes is something that I think many of us, perhaps all of us, assume. That when you have extra, that extra is for you. And so at the end of the month, it's kind of like, oh, sweetie, would you look at that? We got some extra. We got some left over. And all of a sudden, our already bloated lifestyle, our already over-leveraged lifestyle gets an upgrade because there's extra. We use whatever's extra to increase our abundance of possessions. So our rich friend, our buddy over there, who has too much extra, devises a plan to figure out what to do with his extra. He says this, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus. He's thinking, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down those barns. Look at those barns that were big enough to maintain my current lifestyle and, to be honest with you, maintain my ability to have more than I need. I'm going to tear those down, and I'm just going to build bigger barns so that I can just store more of my stuff for me. And to some degree, we kind of laugh a little bit. and go, That just sounds crazy, but isn't that our goal? I mean, this man got wealthy, and then he got wealthier. Isn't, isn't this what we're all chasing? I mean, isn't this why we go on Instagram and we post things like, gotta hustle, gotta grind, gotta get that bread. I mean, this man is living the American dream. He got wealthy, and then he got wealthier. And so once he makes the decision to sort of build this big dog barn where he's going to store up all of his stuff, he starts talking to himself. And he goes, all right, I'm going to say to myself once I do this, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. It's like a, you know, like a Jimmy Buffett song or something. I mean, here, here's the thing. His problem was not that he was rich. That is not his problem. His problem was not that he was rich. His problem is that he didn't know why he was rich. And if we were to ask him the question that we asked in the very beginning of the service when we said, well, why do you have so much? I think our rich friend would say, well, I guess it's so I'll have more for later. I mean, I guess the reason I have more than I need is because someday I might need it because the extra was for him. The abundance of the harvest was for him. Everything that came to him was for him. And so why wouldn't he use it on himself? And then out of nowhere, God shows up. And God said to him, you fool. You fool. To which we go, wait, hold on a second. God, fool? I mean, listen, I know you're God and all. I know you're omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent and all the omnis. And I don't want to question you, but like, this guy's not a fool, God. 
He's the goal. He's the model. He's what's to be emulated. I mean, we want to follow this guy on Instagram and consume his life because he got rich. And then he got richer. I mean, this, this, this guy's got it all figured out. He's made all the money he needs, and he has set himself up for years and years and years of easy living. But God says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And I just love this word demanded that Jesus uses. It's it's this euphemism, if you haven't picked up on it, that, well, your time's up. I mean, I know you thought that because you had a lot of grain that you would have a lot of years. I know you thought you'd be around for a long, long time, but just to let you know, not to be a wet blanket on the situation, it's over tonight. You're coming with me. And then God asks this question that I think we all need to think about. He says, then who will get everything you worked for? Well, the answer is somebody else. I mean, this guy spent his whole life acquiring more and more and more for himself. Anything that was extra was for himself. He never thought of anyone else. And the irony is that in the end, someone else would benefit from his wealth. But it's not because he was generous. It's because he's dead. Now, this parable directs our attention to something that is obvious but often overlooked. And eventually, for all of us, everything that we claim to own will be owned by somebody else. It's just a matter of when and how. Either we will give it away when we still have time or it will be taken away when time runs out. And Jesus kind of wraps up this parable and he gives us a, a warning. He says this, and we're going to talk about this later, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but it's not rich towards God. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to be rich towards God? I mean, because Jesus uses this phrase a lot, all throughout the Gospels, actually. Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, speaks about this issue many times. When you begin to look at everything they said, if you distill it down into its most pure essence, the simple definition of what Jesus means when he says you need to be rich towards God is you need to be generous to those in need. That when God provides us, even though we think we earned it, when God provides us with more than we need, that extra is to be used on those who are in need. Later in the passage, you go down about two or three paragraphs after he's done talking about not needing to worry about having enough, He gives us an idea about what he believes being rich towards God should look like. He goes, you want to know what it looks like? You want to start being rich in your life? Here's what I want you to do. Buckle up. Sell your possessions and give it to those in need. Because maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe you've just bought too much. Maybe you bought too much house. Maybe you leased too much car. 
Maybe you went on too many vacations and you bought so much stuff that there really is no extra. In fact, you might just have debt. Jesus would say, perhaps for you, you got to sell some of your stuff. You got to stop storing up so much and you just start being rich towards God. I mean, to, to one guy, he has a conversation. One guy, he goes, I want you to sell everything. Sell everything that you have, liquidate it. Now, don't bring it to me. Jesus said, don't give it to me. Give it to the poor. This is how strongly God wants to break us free from the grip of greed that could exist in our hearts and push us into a life of generosity. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Doing this will store up treasure for you in heaven. You see, greed, greed tells you to build bigger barns. Jesus comes along and says, I want you to empty your barns. I want you to give. I want you to give generously. And by doing that, you'll store up, but you'll store up treasures in heaven. Now, what does that mean, treasures in heaven? Because again, this is something that Jesus says frequently. Paul alludes to this. What does that mean? The reality is, Scripture is not crystal clear on what exactly that means. But when you look at the totality of Scripture, when you look at everything that Jesus says, that according to Jesus, at some level, our generosity in this life affects our experience in the next life. I mean, Jesus talks about this actually quite a lot. Now, I want to make sure we don't misunderstand what he was saying. Being rich towards God does not affect your salvation. We are saved by what Jesus Christ did on that cross and in that tomb. But at some level, our generosity in this life towards others and towards God impacts our heavenly rewards. Now, after Jesus is done telling this incredible story about a man who lived for himself, whose life was characterized by greed, at least in the eyes of God and the eyes of Jesus, someone who, who believed that whatever came to him, whatever he earned, whatever he harvested was for him, Jesus said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So what is this? Because that doesn't sound good. Now, I understand in the story, the guy died. That is not what this means because we all, we're all going to die. This is a missed opportunity. This rich guy missed out on an opportunity to be rich towards God by helping others. And at the end of his life, he just had nothing to show for it in this life or the next. Now, here's the truth. All of us, and I don't know, I don't know your stories, but here's what I do know about you because you are Americans and because you are Christians, if you're a Christian in the room. All of us have more than we need. All of us have the ability to have extra. Now, here's something else amazing. If you live in America, 
and all you make is minimum wage, and your salary for the year is $15,000, according to the latest statistics. That means that you are wealthier than 92% of the world. So by the world standards, every single one of us is rich. We've all been blessed in this world. And so Paul has some words for you. One day he was writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he was kind of helping Timothy begin to speak into the folks that were coming to his church. And Paul said this, look, teach those who are rich in this world, that's us. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need. And I love how it ends. For our enjoyment. Everything that we have in this world, from our health to our wealth, even though you were the one out there grinding away, even though you were the one out there being away from your family and starting the business and doing this and doing that, everything that we have has been provided to us by God. And he's given us more than enough including enough to just enjoy life. So Paul would say, so tell them. Tell them to use their money to do good. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that this is written doesn't sound like a suggestion. That sounds like a command. And so let me just talk to the Christians in the room. Let's get real for a second. This is not leaving this room. Let's just, we're all friends here. If Paul came over to your house and he said, all right, we got to have a conversation. I need you to get me two things. I need you to pull out your credit card statement. And I need you to pull out your checkbook register. How far back would Paul have to look in order to find, I don't know, a, a, a donation to your kid's school? I mean, we'd have to go back weeks. Would he have to go back months, years? I mean, would he ever find a donation to building God's kingdom? I mean, would he, would he find a receipt from some cash that you took out of the ATM to help someone who's in need, perhaps even on Broward Boulevard? They should be rich in good works, should serve each other, and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasures. There it is again. They'll be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future. So, in order that they may experience true life. Because as Jesus said today, true life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. One day, all of our lives will be demanded of us. It will be our turn to leave this world. So the big question is, what do you want to leave behind? Every single day of our lives, God presents us with an opportunity to be rich towards him. Let's not miss those opportunities. Let, let, let's leave behind a legacy in this world rather than just a barn filled with stuff. Let's live life that glorifies God by loving and serving others around us.
It's practical. What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here, every single week we throw this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So this whole series, if you've been here before throughout this series, it's all about breaking free from these heart issues, these issues that prevent us from really being the person that God wants us to be and from living and leading the life that we want to be leading. So as we think back, let's remember that we break free from guilt with confession. We break free from anger with forgiveness. Last week, we learned that we break free from jealousy by celebrating those around us. And today, Jesus shows us that we break free from greed with generosity. Generosity is a practice that we must do. It's a habit that we must get into. It's kind of like getting in shape. You don't wait to get in shape before you start exercising. You exercise in order to get into shape. And so don't wait for God to change your heart about being generous, about giving. Giving is the way that God has chosen to change our heart. And as you begin to give, like you start running, as you begin to give, your attitudes and feelings towards that area in your life will change and follow. So where do you start? What would it, what would it look like? I mean, if you're someone who says, all right, I want to I wanna do this. I, I don't want to just pray to have a generous heart. I want to I I listen to Jesus. I want to be rich towards God. I want to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing with the things that he's provided. What does that look like? All right. Scripture is very clear. Then when it comes to being rich towards God, there are, there are two channels, shall we say, that we can funnel our generosity in and through. The first thing that, that we can decide to do is we can decide, all right, I'm going to become a percentage giver. This is me saying, I'm going to pick a percentage of my income that I'm just going to give away, right? I'm just going to, I'm going to give this percentage away to, to supporting what God is doing in this world. Now, me personally, I grew up on 10%. The scripture calls the tithe, giving away 10%. Okay. Percentage giving says, I am going to fund God's kingdom before I fund my own kingdom and my own life. And the reason we give to God first is because Jesus said in this same passage we looked at today, seek the kingdom of God above all else first. You that, he'll give you everything you need. You look at Jesus' teachings all throughout his ministerial life, you, you see that he has called us to change how we live in order to give. And so for me personally, look, living on 90% of my income by faith definitely changes how I live. Now, for some of you, you, you hear this and you go, like, That's, that sounds crazy, that sounds scary. Because what if you don't have enough? Because don't you need 100% to live on your... According to Jesus, when you give first to God's kingdom, he promises to make sure you've got everything you need. And like Paul said, even enough for your enjoyment. Here's the thing. When you realize that everything you have is God's anyway, that just loosens the grip. It just does. Here's the other thing you want to do. You want to become a spontaneous giver. 
when you see someone in need, just give. I mean, isn't that what you would want God to do in your situation? If you've got extra and someone is in need, share your extra. When your kid's baseball team is doing that fundraiser, give. When when someone is down on their luck, give. Maybe you're out to dinner with friends. Pick up the tab. Use what's been given to you to sow some goodwill into this world. Because according to Jesus, you can't take it with you. When we are blessed with more than we need, we're to use it to bless someone who is in need. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity over the last four weeks to have some difficult conversations some issues that can get lodged in our heart and really impact our life, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with you. Lord, but today is a particularly difficult one. It was difficult, Lord, for me to preach, and I'm sure it's not an easy one to hear, God, but you know what an issue stuff can be for us humans. But you're clear that you've given us everything we need and you've given it to us for a reason, Lord. And then how many times, God, have we prayed to you, God, I, I see this need in the world. I see this person. I see this situation. Lord, would you step in? Lord, would you help? Would you minister in this area? And God, what's clear is that You have given us everything we need and then some so that we can be your vehicle to bless those in need, to be rich towards God so that we can leave behind a legacy in this world, not just a barn full of stuff. We thank you, God. Be with us over the upcoming weeks and months as we begin to work through these hard problems. In Jesus' name we pray.